on this episode of the State of the Bulldogs with Sam, Mike, Jeb, and Grant. It is finally basketball season. Sanford is tipped off against Purdue. And uh, we also have a big football game coming up on Saturday against Mercer. So an action-packed week. Uh, we're going to be previewing it all on this episode. Please subscribe to the podcast. Read it five stars and leave a good review. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at State of the Dogs. And with that, let's kick this thing off. He's got room. Inside the five to a Canyon wins it. So God champ. Well, guys, uh, we decided to wait one day uh, and record on Monday to see how the Bulldogs look against the Boilermakers. I was, you know, in, in my dreams, I was ready to snap a little highlight to add to the intro of us upsetting the number three team in the country. And uh, about an hour and a half, two hours later, it's safe to say that that did not happen turns out if you don't oh, make man. buckets you can't score points and if you can't score points you don't win mike but hey basketball season's here what are we <laughs> what are we feeling even though it was the number three team in the land feeling some some big d energy from dallas <laughs> probably the highlight of the game honestly no i'm not talking about the tip i'm talking about the defense really the the the, the the uh that elite three point defense that we w- witnessed no, no, last no, no, year. No 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 no. Outside the three point defense. <laughs> so Zach Eady just dunking on us at will, not even jumping. <laughs> That's the sad thing is Eady only had like four points in the first half. That's unreal. It felt like just... we were triple teaming him and then letting them shoot at will. So many threes, they just kept making them and making them. Like like Sanford ain't chance to. Stay in this game, even cover. You had to limit those like FDU did last year, and they were like eight for the first 12, something like that. It was unbelievable. Um, but like looking past that, guys, looking past the fact that we just played a regular season buzzsaw, how, how do we feel? I mean, we saw essentially the entire team, and I think there's certainly some exciting takeaways and some kind of like, mm, that's what we thought, but. Let's do a little overreaction. Game one, you always love to see it. I really liked our freshmen, all three of them. Yeah. Um, I thought Holloway looked super comfortable handling the ball. I mean, all things considered. I thought Lucas Walls looked like a freshman. I mean, he had a couple of mistakes. Uh, had that charge call and then – Yeah, that was uh, tough. But it was didn't aggressive. Really, didn't yeah. recognize the, the shot clock situation there at one point. Um, but he just looks super athletic and kind mm-hmm. of, I mean, very built. And then Riley Allensbach, I thought was, I mean, the fact that he was the second big out, uh, off the bench, uh, or first big off the bench, I guess, to take, take over for a chore chore. And, uh, I mean, what, like, you can't judge a guy like that as a true freshman against Zach Eady, but, um, <laughs> I thought he handled himself fairly well. Again, all things considered. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Yeah, Riley got a welcome to college basketball moment. Remember we talked about before we start recording when he went up for that layup on Edie. He was like, no, dude, we're not doing this. Try again. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. Can imagine being, a, like, what's he, 17, 18 years old? Yeah. Tallest guy he's ever played against is probably, like, 6'10", maybe, you know? Like, he's used to dominating in high yeah. school in North Carolina, and then he just shows up, and it's 7'4", Zach Edie. Welcome to college basketball, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think you – Took the words out of our mouth. The positives from the freshman hallway. You saw his first chance with the ball. He went to, he went right at Edie to the rim and laid it up. So you, he still played with a lot of confidence. That's, still, that's what you want to see early in the year, especially from these freshmen. But also touching on Graziani as well, just how tough he is on the defensive end. Like if you obviously bring the ball down to his level, he's going to rip it away from you. You yeah. saw them multiple times. If there's a big man down low, he's going to come in. And he's obviously lower to the ground than you, as we all as we all know, in five, <laughs> seven and a half. So. So you can't bring that ball down. So he's just going to be that, for another team, annoying guard that's going to hammer you in the backcourt. That's exactly a place point guard, exactly what uh, Bucky is looking for in a guard. He is short. Uh, and it's good that he has a very tenacious energy. Otherwise, yeah. I would say he's just a liability out there on the court because yeah. he's not going to be able to get a shot off unless he's 
you know, shooting from Curry range, or he's not going to be able to really contest anything. His hops aren't that good. We really did not get the, the uh, vertical did not improve with the training that the team put him through the past five days. I thought for sure that was going to work four inches every day. That's what Bucky told us. Yeah. Yeah. Not, not so fast. Not so fast as the great Lee Corso says. Um, Did you see him jump in the library? I was like, dude, this guy's getting some work in. Did you see that? Yeah, he jumped about as high as Bucky did, and uh, Bucky was as about as least impressive as a basketball coach can get. But I've always wanted to hit that exit sign in the library. I mean, it's right there. It's like that urge to like jump <laughs> up, right like there. you were in like high school. You walk under a door frame. I just want to slap this door from like a backboard because I can't, I can't touch a real backboard. I had that same feeling. So. Yeah, my nickname in uh, middle school basketball was Gravity, and then I got <laughs> cut. So I can relate. So um, yeah, you, you touched on. You touched on Allenspach and Holloway. Um, were there any guys uh, and Walls? The, were there any guys that weren't freshmen um, that were coming off the bench? Because we saw, I mean, we probably saw 15 players play. Yeah, we saw everybody but uh, yeah. uh, Boyer who, who wasn't dressed out. But. I thought Rylan Jones, like, I mean, Rylan will be the starting point guard over Graziani, I right. imagine. I Sam, yes. I bet my mortgage on it. Yep. Uh, but I thought he looked very comfortable handling the ball. Um, not so much a shooting presence, but I think we expected that. And you never know how things improve against non-top you know, five teams in the country. Uh, but I thought him handling the ball, his court vision, uh, and just his ability to distribute and kind of being the court general and, and kind of seeing the offense pop like we heard Bucky talk about in the offseason compared to last year where it was really like iso ball. Um, I'm excited to see him run our offense all year. Yeah, that, that'll be exciting. I was impressed. We were talking about this before, but Jaden Campbell uh, kind of looked like a player, kind of looked like the player that we thought he could be, right? Now, granted, it's the very first game, and the entire team was shut down. And so he, him you know, performing pretty well against an elite team, I think says a lot, uh, but – He'll have to show the consistency, which he's failed to do year over year. But if the, if it really is Jaden turning a page and we get Jaden and AJ out there at the same time in the starting five, that's scary. That's a scary duo that could really, just from an athletic standpoint, propel Sanford past mm, everybody but maybe Western or Furman with ease. Yeah, even if, if you put those two out there with Graziani at the point, Houndering, Going after guys in the backcourt, you got that length from the other two guys. I mean, you still got that athleticism that we wanted to see from Jade that we didn't see as much last year. But tonight, he was the only guy leading in double figures with 11 points. And you saw that bounce from him. He was able to beat guys off the dribble and go to the rim. So just he brings another aspect to the Sanford offense of that athleticism that maybe some other guys don't have. That if he can break out and get back to that three-point shooting percentage he was a couple years ago, which is more in the mid to high 30s, that's going to be a huge piece for Sanford down the stretch. Yeah, 100%. Because you're right. We, we can only afford one defensive guard, and we already have it in AJ. If you, yep. can't, you, know, if you can't score, we can't have two defenders out there. Um, that's just a little little too light on the old offensive side. Well, late, late in the game, you know, um, certainly situations where we'd want to put in a def- defensive package, but – I agree. Which we saw, uh, what, what was it? The Furman game maybe at Furman when we were trying to keep it tied. Uh, and it generated a few, I want to say they put them both out there and we generated two or three turnovers in two minutes. Um, I could be misremembering, but I, I I think it was something like that. So, yeah. yeah. But for what I remember, there's a lot of like offense for defense in that game because Sanford yeah. was try, trying to call yes, it back Grant, in. That was the yeah. stupid – Sub in, sub out. Oh my goodness! Painful oh my. to watch, yeah, but it works final, sometimes. But effective, ish, yeah, ish. Uh, yeah, but forced, yeah. Until the final possession of regular, but regular time when Quez was on the bench and you didn't call a timeout because you wanted to keep the flow of the offense going and you had to go to OT, but you yeah. didn't have that ball handler to go make a play. But yeah. All right, so I don't want to harp too much on this Purdue game because it really is an anomaly on the schedule. Um. Just like we can't really t- say much about the Mississippi College game, knock on wood, uh, in a couple of weeks. So, guys, let's just look at the schedule. You know, we've talked about in previous episodes, kind of the conference as a whole. We've talked about our players, the roster, uh, what we expect to see from the team. 
and uh, some of our competition, but I don't think we've gone through and looked at non-conference games that are pretty big and then how the home and away and rhythm of the conference schedule really lined up. So let's just kind of got it dive in. Yeah, so you've got uh, Purdue tonight, and then you go to VCU on Friday. So you kind of got these two marquee non-conference games before you settle in and get back home for that stretch of like seven in a row. So and we'll yeah, get into I those think games the VCU play, game but. provides a nice opportunity to reset. Now, I don't. Are they going to go home, or are we going to stay out and just do online classes? Like, how do you think Monday, that? They work? flew. They flew to Purdue, didn't they? Yeah, so they did. They, they got there. Yeah, they got there Saturday night, so I assume they would fly back. Okay, but I'm and just, I assume we're going to fly to Richmond. I mean, that would be a beefy bus ride. It's for even further than Lexington, but I don't know. Yeah, after VCU, pretty light schedule until we get to Belmont. So I don't see any games that um, should scare us. I think these will just be opportunity for the team to start meshing. Yeah, so nine, we have nine home games in a row from November 14th into December 16th before we go to Valparaiso. Um, now, Grant, Mike, y'all are the basketball guys, so check me. Check me as I run through these nine games. From a cakewalk perspective, it looks like we have Mississippi College, Merrimack, North Carolina A&T, and LaGrange. I don't know enough about South Carolina State, Alabama State, or Alabama A&M to classify them as cakewalks because, I mean, I feel like we hear about some guys from those schools. I mean, we got one of them in Hicks. And then the two tough games, Louisiana and Belmont. Now, is Louisiana going to be as good as maybe they were last year? I don't know. Probably, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, and, and you mentioned Merrimack. They at least did win their conference last year, so that game should be a little more fun compared to Mississippi College and those other games you mentioned. But, yeah, a Belmont, Valpo, and, and Louisiana Lafayette. Well, Louisiana now, those are the three that you look towards for the remainder of the non-con. And compared to last year where yeah, – Texas Southern. Texas Southern was a tournament team last year. Yeah, yeah so that's that's after yeah. that home stretch. We go at Valparaiso right. and at yeah. Te- yeah. Texas Southern. Yeah, Texas Southern is not bad. Yeah, counting Purdue, we've we have five teams that won their conference last year on the schedule. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So I Purdue think it, it's pretty good. Yeah, I think it sets up nice. We're not really alternating alternating home and away, and so I think last year we kind of got on a skid, and it was hard to reset, and it feels like this schedule sets up a little bit nicer to avoid that. Now, with that said, we lost to Tennessee Southern or whatever. So, uh, you know, I'm not putting anything out there uh, as a lock, even though I did just list off like five cakewalks. I like it, though. I think this is just what you need when you've got uh, key key components in the transfer portal to – you know, have the opportunity to mesh before you really play like high quality games. I mean, obviously Purdue and VCU, but to have seven games for like Ryland Jones to figure out how to run the offense and how to get Garrett, Garrett Hicks involved in terms of scoring the ball, 100%. things like that. And I don't foresee us going on a seven game losing streak like last year, but if we do, we're in deep trouble. If we do, we're in deep trouble. Hopefully, it did not start tonight because on paper, there are one. Two, three challenging uh, games until Valparaiso and Texas Southern. Yeah. Um, but then as far as the Belmont conference. Game the, the game to look to. As far as the yeah. conference goes. For sure. Uh, you know, I'm looking at it right now and I don't see a, a three game stretch that is too terrible. You know, we have back to back road games of Chattanooga and UNCG, which will be a challenge. Um, but there's plenty of time in between. It's a Saturday and a Thursday, right? It's not a Saturday and a Wednesday. So we got one more extra day uh, to rest. I mean, we start off at home game, Chattanooga. Boom. Of all the times to play chat this season, first game is probably a pretty good one because they do seem like a team that could build. Um, and so starting off with them, then we, we go to Citadel. Uh, then we have UNCG and VMI at home. I mean, those first four games, you could be 2-2, two and two, but you could easily – you could be 4-0. Uh, before you have to go to Western for probably the toughest game of that early slate. 
Yeah, when you look to that stretch, it's the 16th and the 24th. When you go to Western on the 16th and you go to Fermi on the 24th, obviously mm-hmm. those. Both weak games. Those are usually two. a little bit tougher. Um, yeah. Yeah, the two guys are challenging the top of the conference for. Yeah, the, but those are the ones when I went down the schedule right in the preview. Those are the two you kind of look for. Hopefully you can take at least one of those ideally. So. Yeah, I, I think if you split that, and yeah. you take care of business elsewhere, you put yourself in a pretty good position to lock up the conference uh, by the time that you play Furman again on the 21st at home. Now, yeah, that's go a back lot to, to, that first to say, game. Yeah, but I think, you know, if you just, I, honestly, if you split the Western and, for, like, if you win two out of the three first matchups against those two teams, or sorry, just one of the first three matchups, then I think by the time you get to that last Furman game, if you win, I think that that would be the clincher. I'm assuming you take care of business against um, ETSU, Wofford, and Citadel to end the season. Yeah, Ken Palm has us projected to lose those games I mentioned, the 16th versus Western, only by two, and Furman by five. So whatever whatever you want to take from that, but still be tight games for sure. Yeah, no, that's a... I, I, we're one game into the season. I'm not going to say that's a make or break, make or break stretch, but if you're going to look at any part of the schedule to nail down as a challenging part, that's got to be it, right? It kind of is. Yeah, it's kind of. Obviously, can't say now, but yeah, make or break. With once we get there, I'm sure we'll be saying that by the time we get to record before that game on the 16th at Western. But it's really that two week stretch though, because you've got. UNCG before VMI. So that six yep. game stretch is the three top teams in the conference outside of us. For sure. And it would have been hard to predict last year how the rhythm of the season really affected us until we were halfway through the con. Like it's hard to get a pulse on who's really going to be turning up in conference play until maybe four or five games into conference. I mean, we came in dead, dead on arrival. Last year, seven game losing streak in the non-conference, losing record. It was like, who is this Sanford team? And then we just went on a heater. Vibes were so low after that Belmont game, losing seven rows. I go, that was so bad. I have no idea. No idea what this team's going to be. Is is Glover going to come back? Is is this team going to find a way? Then obviously they went, responded with eight in a row. So we had just started the podcast. And it was like, yeah. oh god, this is what but like we lost all those games. Like yeah, yeah, we lost all those games. They were kind of close. I felt like, right? Like, weren't they like like the DePaul game? We could have won that. Yeah, overtime game. Florida single... or um... hey, I lost to DePaul by five in overtime. Lost to UCF by three UCF, in overtime. Thank you. Yeah. So like, I felt like we were still confident, yeah. and then we get to Belmont, and it was just a, I think, twenty point blowout, maybe. And that Tennessee yeah. whatever game. Yeah, the Tennessee South, Southeastern. Or, yeah, yeah, Tennessee Southern, the 27th, 84-82. That was the second loss. And then you went to DePaul, UCF, and then that stretch finished with the 23-point loss to Belmont on the 21st. Yeah, so you were 6-7. and seven. I Started 6-0, and went 6-7, and seven, and then went on a stretch to go 14-7 before you played Furman at Furman. So. It was the year before that, too, though. That's, like, been the staple of Buckyball. So I think this is the year they break that trend. Yeah, I think it's safe to say we have no idea what to expect after we went after what we went through last year with this. Yeah, like I just mentioned, the six wins, seven loss, seven wins, two losses, streak again. So, you know, I'm looking at Western schedule and just looking, they have a pretty when their schedule's easy, it's easy, and when it's not, it's not. They have listen to this stretch. They go Sanford at Furman, Sanford at home at Furman, UNCG at home. Boom, boom, boom. Three big games back to back to back. It sucks that we're the first, we're the front end of that. I wish we could have been in UNCG's position coming in after uh, playing the other two very talented squads, but you know, whatever. And then at the end of the season, they have Furman and UTC to end it. Um, it's a lot harder than our end of the season. And probably a harder stretch than anything we have. So that, I mean, I think that bodes well. Yeah, it should be exciting. What I see, obviously, Western returns four of their five leading scorers. According to Vegas, the third highest odds in the conference, which for a lot of us and a lot of media members was the team they picked to finish first. 
So that just a matter of what it's just a matter of what unfolds with the top three in the conference with Sanford, Furman, and Western. Um, this is extremely off topic, but I'm looking through scores of other SoCon games right now, and mm-hmm. UTC's big man or the forward transfer Jan Zadek from Pepperdine mm-hmm. had 25 tonight, went 11 for 13, three for four from three. I was about to ask how many threes. Uh, is this the, is this the next Jake Stevens? Stop! We're not He's even putting six, that. Nine. We're, stop! We're six, not even putting nine, that in the atmosphere. From no, Prague, no. recall that. Stop! No! 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 Hey, you're no. you're the editor. Just cut it. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need those. We don't need those negative vibes. Who are they Jake playing? Stevens is playing for them. Stevens is uh, playing for the They played Covenant. Oh, okay. give me a break! I could. No, I'm joking. I couldn't score no, twenty five on Covenant, but. Yeah, give me a break. That's they are a glorified JV uh, intramural team. All right, but eleven for thirteen, three for four from three. All I'm saying. Anyways, let's get back to Sanford. Yeah. Covenant's biggest guy is probably five five. <laughs> the yeah, as we're going through games, these as we're going through games right now, VCU is down by ten to Mimi State under the four minute media. So but they're breaking hey. in a lot of new guys as well with the new coach. I will take it. I'll take a first dub on the road. I would take that. Um, when did we play VCU? What day? Friday. Uh, Friday, Friday the 10th. Right? Boom. Yeah. We, that's no time at all to feel a little bit better about the state of our team after getting thrashed by Purdue. Yeah, I just want, 6 I just don't want Central. The, yeah. I don't want the John Rothstein tweet, whatever, like, 10 days is harder than a the trip to the Seagull Center is harder than like a ten day trip to Europe or whatever. That's where VCU plays. That's kinda that's kinda his go to every time VCU wins a game. I just don't want to see that tweet. Yeah. Well, a Friday a Friday night, that that the house should be rocking. Um but okay, even if we do drop to VCU, we have Mississippi College, South Carolina State, Alabama State, boom, 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 all at home. Mary Mac. I mean, we'll be we'll be like eight and two rolling into Louisiana or six and two or whatever. Yeah, his tweet is a VCU home game at the Seagull Center, more life-altering than a 10-day trip to Europe. So every time VCU wins at home, that's give, give tweet, me a so. break. Give me a break. As long Shaka as smart something anymore. Get out of here. Shaka, man, that's like three coaches ago. Wow, that's impressive. Well, that's how everybody knows him. They don't remember him from Texas, that's for sure. Now, they might remember him for what he's going to do at Marquette. I'm a believer, uh, but we'll see. They flubbed in the tournament last year, so. Yeah. They're going to be awesome this year, though, so we'll see. Yeah, that's what Purdue says every year, and then they flub it, too. Got some regular season juggernauts (laughs) and then some uh, powder puff uh, tournament teams. Well, no, I just wanted to ask if y'all had anything else about the schedule uh, or anything else to add about the team. Otherwise, we're just going to move on to what is a pretty exciting football game, even though there's not anything on the line for us. But first, guys, we got to talk about Whammy. For a moment, we want to discuss what fuels us. If you're a listener of the pod, you know Sanford Sports gets us excited, unless we're getting drummed by Purdue. Uh, But we couldn't cover all of our bases without good coffee. Before we start our game day, we love brewing up a pot of Whammy. Not only does Whammy produce excellent coffee, they also make it fun to drink. With a mystery toy in every bag of beans, you can pair our podcast with a cup of Whammy for a perfect start to the morning. With quick shipping and rotating options, you can find your favorite bag of coffee anytime at whammycoffee.com. Uh, I really do love the toys in the whammy bags. Uh, Madeline kind of takes them off of the little pedestal I put them on. Um, but I like oh, to line uh, them up on the uh, the windowsill by the kitchen sink. And it's like just little little dinos marching across the, the windowsill. It's fun. You know, that's a, that's a nice childish vibe to the to the kitchen. So the trivia question today, boys. Pretty interesting little tidbit. Um the Mercer Football Wikipedia is uh, an interesting source of information. I wouldn't say there's a lot of it on there, but what is on there is some odd stuff. For example, uh, there's a player on their team, uh, Homer Grice, who was the first secretary of the Vacation Bible School Department of Nashville's Baptist Sunday School Department, which is now Lifeway. The, oh, wow. oh, I did the not know that. Christian, yeah. um, massive yeah, it used to be everywhere. Yeah. yeah, 
yeah, you know, and depending on what you, you know, you may think of that, think of Lifeway, you, you may like that or, or not. But that's not the trivia question. The trivia question, oh, yeah. which I did, had no idea, uh, apparently Mercer abandoned its football team in 1941. They were a little, little earlier to the game than old Sanford. Um, they ditched it in 1941, and their hiatus from the greatest sport in the world was much longer than Sanford's, much longer. So the question is, what year did they revive the program? And the hint is it was the year before they joined the SOCON. I think that's a pretty good hint. That should allow you to guess in a pretty pretty reasonable range. So what are we what are we thinking, Mike? Well, I, I was going to say, I'm going to let Grant go first because I feel like every week I answer first and then I steal <laughs> his answer. So letting Grant I'm set let, the anchor, I'm I like it. Grant like go it. first this time. I'm not new anymore, guys. Gosh. Um, <laughs> dang, I look. I was looking at the matchup history yesterday writing something for Mercer, but uh, dang it. But you forgot to add this little tidbit. But I didn't go that far to, to World War One when they stopped their football program. Uh, World War Two, sorry, World War Two. World War so II. Not, II. Not, II. not only does Grant not, not major, did not did he not major in <laughs> geography? He also did not major in history. <laughs> really yeah, making that safe for education look strong, Grant. Hey, I have an A in geography in my transcript. I can pull it out right now. Um, <laughs> I shout out one of the science selects. Astronomy is my other science elective. Um, 72. 72. I know that's not right because I know it was like somewhere in the 2011 and 2014 range. Um, well, now Sam's giving me a weird look, so maybe I don't know that. Oh, so um, now you want to go second? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoot. I'm going to say 2014. Wow. Within one year, <sighs> Michael Wilson, 2013. They did not have a football team from 1941 to 2013. The craziest part of this, guys, is they have a fantastic game day atmosphere. They have the big tailgate concert. They have the motorcycle. I mean, it's an incredible, for the, especially for the Southern Conference, it's a fantastic pregame atmosphere, which is all the more shocking of how they did not have a football team they're in the state of Georgia. I know, and they that's crazy to be in Georgia team. and not have a football team. Wild. I mean, the in the land of small school dominance, of Georgia Southern, Valdosta State, um, even Kennesaw State to a degree, you have a school like yeah. Mercer, the resources like Mercer, and you ditch football for almost 80 years. Soft. But yeah, crazy. Crazy. 2013, they joined the SOCON the very next year. I think they had to have a, a ramp up year. And another fun ah, tip. So I was like almost right. You're I'd right. Like to go second That's next time for the Close record. enough. <laughs> um, another fun fact is their first game was against another school that had also abandoned their football program around the same time. And that was their first year back as well. So very kind of, I don't know. It was surprising. So surprising. Sam, you're quite the historian these days. Wikipedia, man. Yeah, makes a <laughs> professor record, out of Every time we record or something, yeah. <laughs> Grant lives under a rock until he records and then he just learns everything. <laughs> I said Olympia High School was northeast and said northwest last week. I'm on a roll the last couple of weeks. On a roll, baby. On a roll. On a roll. All right, so Mercer, coming in pretty hot. They're 7-3. and three. We had no faith in their quarterback to begin the season. And to be fair, he's still not that great, but they have incredible playmakers like Ty James and Devron Harper, uh, who more than make up for the loss of Fred Payton, um, one of the all-time greats in the in the Southern Conference for a season, season or two. Um, but they're coming in seven and three. They lost to, I mean, they got shellacked by uh, Furman, lost to UTC, but did beat Western. Did be Western at Western. Uh, pretty impressive victory. They're ranked 23rd in the country. Um, I wrote down that they have a balanced rushing and passing. They average about you know, a little bit more passing yards and rushing yards, but about even, all things considered. And they average 27 points a game. But guys, the most impressive thing 
about Mercer um, is the fact that Ty James, their leading receiver, is second in the nation. And Grant, remind us, how many how, how many yards did Ty James have against Sanford last year? <laughs> I sent this to y'all as I was texting y'all last night as I was writing that story I keep mentioning. I was like, oh, I literally laughed out loud when I pulled up the box score from last week. Sanford 50 to 44, Ty James... 13 catches, 351 receiving yards, not total yards, 351 <laughs> yards on two touchdowns. I Can literally you... laughed out loud reading this. I was like, oh, oh my how gosh, we win what, what is going yeah. on? Yeah, how do we laughable. win? And Quincy came in. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot. 351, 13 catches, two TDs. Granted, Sanford was down a couple of DBs. They got hurt, but still. 351 from one dude was just absolutely absurd. They might as well have not even fielded a secondary. That's got to be a record somewhere. I wonder what the single... Yeah, I should have looked that up too. Dang it. Uh-huh. And he does have four games over 100 yards this year too. So he's obviously being second in the country and receiving yards, keeping up that same record pace from last year. And that's even with Carter PB, not Fred Payton back there throwing in the rock. But Yeah, PB's fine. Um, yeah. But he's not, you know, he's not amazing. His stats for the year... Uh, 66 per, uh, completion, 66 percent completion percentage, which is you know it's pretty good. Uh, but he only yeah. has 11 touchdowns, three picks. Like it's very much a let's throw to Ty James, and when he gets tackled at the one, let's run it in. Uh, it's not really a. Yeah. I mean, 11 touchdowns, like that's so low. I think Michael Hires had 11 touchdowns in the first three games. Hey, let's hope this last time we have to see James. Hopefully, he uses his COVID year to go transfer to an FBS school. So, hopefully, this or just go pro we have to line up against him, or yeah, or or just do that. Yeah. Most yards gained in a game was three seventy six by Kasim Osgood, Cal Poly versus UNI, November four two thousand. Yeah, my mind first went to like a wide receiver for Colt Brennan, but I mean. At Hawaii, but yeah, um, I'm pretty sure Sam, if I'm looking at it right, no. 376 in 2000 by Kasim Osgood. Oof. Cooper Cup actually holds the record for most career receiving yards at 6,464. Yeah, he wow. was an insane college, and obviously still insane in the pros. He wasn't bad. <laughs> okay, wait. So Mike, on, on that red, on that red turf. Read back, read back the uh, uh, receiving record in a single game. Three hundred seventy-six yards. Wow! So he was so close to breaking that at three forty. Yeah. What, what did you say? Ty James had three hundred and what? It was three fifty-one. Wow! He was not, one not catch away. Off, yeah. One more catch, and he breaks that record. That's crazy. I That's frankly, crazy. he might break it this this week. Who knows? Um, I mean, probably won't. It's this team, guys, is so hard to read. We were within seven points of beating Furman, number five team in America. We, sh- we I'm not going to say we should have. We could have won that game. We get obliterated by UTC. We have a closer than we'd like game against ETSU, who is trash. And then we got Mercer and UT Martin to end it. I mean, we're looking at. Spoiler, like that's who we're, that's the role we're playing. If we beat Mercer, if we beat UT Martin, they both miss the playoffs. I don't really have a disdain for Mercer. I'm not taking a lot of uh, joy from that. Like if it was UTC or Furman, it'd be amazing. It's Mercer. Yeah. The Bears, the Methodist Bears. Yeah. I think they're Methodist. I, it's hard. I'm not sure. They could be Baptist. The Baptist Bears has a little better ring to it. Um, that does, yeah. Coming off a bye week, coming off a win, uh, what do y'all think? I'm kind of at a loss. Like, I want to say we're going to come in and win this game because we usually yeah. beat Mercer, but yeah. at the same time, this team can this team has shown us everything uh, we've wanted to see and everything we have not wanted to see. And we haven't haven't beaten a good quote good team yet. If you go down. Stretch the game. Haven't been a good team all year. Yeah. That is facts. And so you go to bet, the Mercer defense. Yeah. The yeah, Mercer's makes, uh, Mercer. force. Yeah. True. I think, I mean, I think we're in a prime position to like 
if I was a player, I would be motivated. Just coming off a bye week, coming off of a couple of easy wins, and the fact that we could play spoiler, and the fact that, like, I feel like, or I guess I wonder if the players have been looking forward to these last two games because we've lost all the meaningful games to date. We had that stretch where we were playing kind of poor quality teams where we were expected to win. Mm-hmm. But these last two games of the season have always kind of been there lingering because we thought they were going to matter, and they don't matter. But they still could, just like I said, for honor and for pride. honor and dignity, pride and dignity. And pride. <laughs> that was a real slogan. I couldn't find it because it was attributed to one school. But <laughs> no, you're right, Mike. the The pride is a big factor. Um, you're playing for each other. You're playing for your boys. You're playing for your tape. You know, if if guys are wanting to transfer yeah. or go to the next level. You're also playing just for playing your tape. for tape. I've actually never heard anybody say that. Is that like a phrase? Playing for the tape. In the portal, in the portal era, it kind of is. Yeah. Yeah. You're always playing for your tape. I mean, that's what they harp on in the NFL uh, draft is like, what does he look like for all 80 plays he's out there? Not just the little highlight that you put on huddle. Um, what is it on second and five uh, with 10 minutes yeah. to go in the second quarter? You know? Hmm. As people say, they've never seen a bad highlight tape on YouTube. So. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Boys can't put up. Yeah. But go to the game itself. Mercer's forced 12 turnovers in the last three games, and Sanford in these, quote, bigger games has been prone to turn it over in, in, in an opportune time. So while Dude, the defense Santa Claus out there. Yeah. yeah while, the def- while the defense isn't great A-plus, like maybe Furman's is, they're still – good at forcing turnovers. They forced 12, like I said, 12 for the last three games and 16 other 20 over the last six. So if there's anything to give us a little hope, it's our defense, right? Like we've in the past three games, Furman has the most scored on us at 27. Uh, now it helps that we played the two worst offenses or two of the three worst offenses in the league, but defense is really all about mentality to a certain point. And they're playing confident. They uh, played VMI and Citadel, so I feel like you had to get some kind of confidence out of that, but that helps, right? Like They're going to need to play violent and um, decisively if they have any hope of shutting down Mercer's attack. Now, Mercer doesn't have the most potent offense, but it's effective. It's effective enough. Um, and double That's the other silver games. lining. Is they're not, they, they don't have an elite unit. Their defense is okay. Their offense is okay. They have a, some elite talent, right? Like we talked about with the receivers, but they don't have an elite unit, which is, I think, bodes well for us. Yeah, it's just a matter of what, as we've been saying, what Sanford team shows up, the team that won the last two weeks or the team that couldn't get it done when you had a chance in these big games, like Furman and Chattanooga, earlier in the game for Chattanooga at least, but. Do you think it helps or hurts that there's a lot on the line for Mercer and it's at Mercer? Like, do you think it helps that Mercer's going to come out with a lot of energy? Like, do you think that that helps in terms of us matching the energy? Or do you think this is a team that if we kind of get punched in the face, we kind of lay down? I mean, the thing is, is like they they really haven't. <laughs> I forgot they lost 73 to 7 to Ole Miss. Um, they really haven't played well outside of Western and like played well against the top tier teams in the SoCon either. Like they had, they For weren't sure. close against Furman. They weren't close against chat. Yeah. Uh, obviously they beat Western, but Western also played really poorly last weekend. And so, yeah. you know, maybe Western's just like peaked and now they're kind of on the decline. Hit and Mercer forced six turnovers against Western too. And that's obviously insane. Yeah. Insane. Hard to lose a game when you do that. I think Gonzalez threw three. He threw five touchdowns, but he still threw three picks, and then three other turnovers is what won them the game. So, and it was Again, still a seven point was, game. Yeah. Yeah. Still. Yeah. That's amazing to have a plus whatever it was plus four plus five turnover margin only win by seven. That's that's pretty wild. That is wild. It, Mercer certainly seems like the frauds uh, for these bubble conversations in the FCS playoff. I saw a poll. It was, um, I forgot who put it out there, but they asked who out of the, you know, UTC, uh, Mercer, and Western was going to get an at-large, if only one was going to get one, right? 
Mercer was by far the lowest chosen team. And it makes sense. Like like we've said, they, they don't have a shutdown defense. They don't have a lights-out offense. Um, they got If they didn't get six turnovers against Western, we're not even having this conversation. This is a, a game that means nothing on the national level, and we're just playing for the literal joy of winning and pride. But they did. So Mercer's got a lot to lose. And we can play spoiler. The game's on the road. It'll be interesting to see what the line comes out at. I would anticipate Mercer to be less than a touchdown favorite, but we'll see. I think they'll be favored. Probably less than a touchdown, though. Maybe three. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Any other thoughts before we talk about the slate? I mean, we. I was going to say, I mean, the. the because it's something we didn't acknowledge when we were talking about the Purdue game, but I mean, we got some national recognition this week. Uh, Sports Center tweeted about us in the jump yes. ball. Uh, Barstool Sports yeah, Bar- tweeted Bar- about us. They were obviously all over it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, we were on Sports Center, so that's pretty cool. That's awesome. I didn't know that. Yeah, I knew like it was great, it was clearly genius marketing. Um, yeah, exactly. Like the yeah, very I mean, first video got half a million views, and it probably got a million by this point. Yeah. That was within the first day or two. So, whoever came up with that idea it, is probably generated more marketing value than our game check. Which do we even know how much Purdue paid us <sighs> to come up and play? Maybe a hundred grand plus know. expenses. Yeah, I don't know if that's public or not, but yeah. Hunter Griff feels like a lot for a basketball game, but I don't know. Yeah, it does. No, it does. Yeah. I don't know what I don't know. But like football pays you a million and a half to come or a million bucks. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Shout out to Dallas too for actually being up for this and actually like going along with it and like to be a guy that would well we talk about us how short you are and how how this how this and that how how this and that I can say that because I'm actually taller than a college basketball player. But yeah, we're just like (laughs) Him going along, him going along with it was obviously a big key. Might come to new school to know what to expect, but still, for him to play along with this was pretty cool. So, shout out to Dallas for being a good sport about the team posting five yeah. different clips talking about how short you are and how, how you're jumping to doing the tip ball against a seven eight monster or whatever. Zach Eady, so yeah, and Probably shout out for actually videos. being one of the few bright spots like in our in the game. I mean, you know, defensively. I thought I just thought he was fun he to was watch. A pest. So yes, the fact he that like pest. he didn't just come in there for the jump ball and then go back to the bench. He yeah. was like a, a, a big time contributor to this game and will be a big time contributor all season. So yeah, that was cool. we're excited for Dallas. Yeah. But what, what was y'all's favorite video? I think it was the third one, maybe when they went around this campus, like I mentioned earlier, going to the library using students in the quad. I, I like think that, that was one, probably yeah. my favorite one. I like that one. Just the overall buy-in of Dallas, like I said, doing the video, and then every student getting involved, and just the whole whole campus coming together. I think I think that was probably the best one, other than the first one, obviously. I was about to say the first one was very good. I I like the little part in the second and the no the third one, where they added the step stool and he got four more inches. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty funny. That was funny. Yeah. And Bucky's acting actually was pretty. Bucky's not <laughs> pretty a bad actor. Awesome. Everyone else is. Pretty nah, bad. he was all yeah. into it. Uh, was, yeah. Bucky, Bucky has a future. Future on the set if you ever want one. <laughs> yeah, I think I tweeted he should be like Peter Lafleur in Dodgeball too, because like those instructional videos that you've seen <laughs> saw in the first Dodgeball, he did those. He did those to a T. <laughs> that would be amazing. So yeah, yeah, that should be his role if he ever went Hollywood and left us. But we need to find out who created yeah. those. Who, whose idea that was because that was pretty gold um but all right yeah. so around the socon we got sanford traveling to mercer as we said etsu at at western should be an easy win for western western finishes off the season with a pretty easy slate vmi travels to Furman. vmi guys won the game last week against etsu they scored 31 points vmi baby rocco ball Let's go. It's about time. Yeah, they said screw the cover. We're we filling the upset. Right win. I don't care what you're talking about. We're filling the upset. Furman. Um, uh, Furman's not playing their best football right now. 
Nah, they're not losing that one. We've been saying that all season, though. We've yeah, been saying that's like, kind of the oh, Furman's. Yeah, that's fair. That's good. Yeah. Mike, that's a good point. Uh, and then Wofford and they won at Citadel. Huff, who was out a lot of the game too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, Wofford yeah. Citadel. That's a game to watch. That's the said, game I said we should do a recap pod for. Yeah. Said no one, <laughs> not even Wofford Citadel alums. Over oh. under. What's the over under on that game? Ten points combined. <laughs> first, it's actually uh, first ever sudden first death. Three game. wins the game. First score yeah. wins the game, yeah. so the rest <laughs> of the nation can yeah not tear their eyes out. So overall, a pretty pretty mundane slate compared to last week uh, or the prior weeks. I would say the Sanford Mercer game is going to be the most enticing, assuming ETSU doesn't have a, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say good performance because Western is on the decline. If you're turning the ball over six times against Mercer, if you are losing back-to-back games, if you, you know, it's hard, hard to say what's going on in Cullowee, but I would anticipate a victory over the Bucks. We'll see. Uh, oh, oh, oh. And the SoCon has Three ranked, four ranked teams. UTC, Mercer, Furman, and Western are all ranked in the top 25. So last year, we only got two teams into the playoffs. Obviously, we don't want Mercer to get in because that means we would have lost. But from from an objective perspective, it'd be pretty fun to see four SOCON schools get in uh, to the tournament. Although Mercer is a fraud, so they would probably get waxed in whatever game they, they played in first. So maybe just yeah, maybe we hope for them three. being a two seed feels wrong. That's or the projected the two overall. No, no, I'm sorry. They're they're the number two overall team in the country right now. Furman. Yeah, for yeah. Furman. No, oh, Furman. sorry. I thought you said Mercer. Yeah, and the stats top twenty five. Yeah, and the stats yeah, stats top twenty five. Mer- <laughs> Furman second, Chattanooga nineteenth, and Mercer twenty third, and Western uh, dropped out. But sorry, seventeenth. Sorry. I was about to say no. Western's still in there. Yeah, the, yeah, we got a we got a lot in the fifteen to twenty five range. But uh, moving to other sports, speaking of Western Carolina, the women's soccer team could not pull it out. The first, the only goal of the game was scored what 11, 12 minutes into the game. Yeah, and we had a few opportunities, but. Our offense, like nothing seemed to be clicking. We had a, a few crosses where if we had connected, it was an easy shoeing goal. But it always just felt like either someone wasn't there or their goalie made a nice play. Um, just it didn't come together for us. Yeah, and we should have lost maybe even 2-0, 3-0. Like the back line was getting... 100%. Like at Stanford was, like at Stanford was pushing forward trying to get that goal at the back line was having to do their job. And yes. Zoe and the goal... Zoe had to make some key saves to keep it a one 0 game. So it could have been even worse with the amount of pressure they're forcing up the pitch trying to score. Oh, she played incredible. I mean, the only reason we I, I kept watching the game until the very last second was of her performance. Because you're absolutely right. There were multiple opportunities, open shots, easy goals, uh, close range. They were taking long range and just boom, boom, boom. Save, 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 save. The closest one was probably uh, a similar shot to the actual to the first goal, but or sorry, it's what should have been the second goal. It was the kick. It was like the um, it was it was on the counter, and they had numbers, and she kind of took a longer range shot, but still in the box, and it was kind of curving, and the goalie had to tip it tip it over the bar. It was a high play. <laughs> Other than that, Western to be to be a little more fair, Western did uh, flub a few opportunities where they shot it right at her. But I feel like that's soccer sometimes. At least yeah. it is for me on FIFA. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the ball doesn't bounce your way, and it's kind of like a I don't know, I don't think changing of the guards the right word, but like getting a new team in because like this Sanford team had 10, 10 grads. 10 grad players that aren't going to be there next year. The, the kind of the core, the core group of girls that have been there for a while that aren't going to be the next year. So it's going to be fun to see how they, how they rebuild. And I have no, I have no doubt that. 
Oh, Coach yeah. Yellow will find a way to. Sanford just reloads. A plus team next year. Yeah. 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 We'll, we'll be fine. Had, had some good freshmen that didn't really get playing time that yeah. are supposed to be pretty good. So. Yeah, like we had a. Siopasenway, Jermaine Siopasenway, for you a few years ago, how awesome she was. Then they bounced back and got this group of girls to come together. And Zoe and Goal was a transfer. So for him to, her to come, she played a lot of big minutes. And obviously, with like five to seven clean sheets somewhere in that range. But she was a stud. Yeah. yeah. National Player of the Week at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have no doubt they'll reload and be near the top of the conference again. So, yeah. But still, it's a disappointing so- end. Is it? I mean, yeah. the soccer team tweeted that season's over, so I assume that means that we're not, you know, no longer like a bubble team. Yeah. Has, has uh, the bracket come out yet? Oh, it did. Yeah, the bracket was announced this afternoon. Yeah. So we finished. Let's see. This is as of November fifth, or through November fifth. Yeah. So we finished fifty sixth, um, which is literally the bubble. Uh, and then let me look up the. That's still impressive. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Western Carolina is the out of bid. They're going to Tuscaloosa to play Alabama, so that should that should be interesting. That would have been a fun rematch for us. And Alabama was like a consistent top ten team in the in the, in the South uh, rankings that Sanford had Southeast rankings that Sanford was in earlier in the year. So. Yeah, we barely missed it. So. <clears throat> LSU was the lowest ranked at large bid, it looks like, and they were 52nd. And we're sitting there oh, at man. 56. So we really Between were us like were Duke, TCU, and Colorado. First four out kind of thing, if you're putting it in basketball terms. That's what it looks like, yeah. Now I'm just eyeballing it. Um, and I'm assuming LSU did not win the SEC tournament. But that's what it that's what it looks like. Mm. Mm-mm-mm. Yeah, because I think Arkansas actually won the SEC Women's Tournament. Yeah, missed opportunities. Literally, if we win one more of those ties, we probably take LSU's spot in the tournament, which is crazy. But we didn't. Oh, well. Uh, but on a, bright, on a brighter note, on a brighter note, uh, women's volleyball. Let's go. Three in a row beat Western Carolina, who ended Citadel's perfect run. Um, the girls are playing... Their best volleyball of the season, I think, at the end, which is the best time to do it, right? We got two more games left. We have uh, UTC and Mercer before the SoCon tourney. I was, you know, we were in the middle. We were in the the middle of the season, and it was up and down, win, loss, win, loss. You know, is this team good? No. Is it? Are they bad? No. Well, now they're trending way more to uh, the good side of that question. So that's exciting. Um, nothing better than being a little win streak going in the tournament. And there's nothing to say that we won't be 5-0 and heading into uh, the SoCon tourney. So that's awesome. And then women's basketball, they tipped off today as well. Got a nice, nice win uh, over AUM. That's uh, Auburn and Montgomery, right? Correct, yeah. Okay. Yeah, AUM. You know, for being one of the least educated states, Alabama sure does have a lot of colleges. Oh, a lot of school, a lot of schools, a lot of schools, a lot of schools. <laughs> that, that was unnecessary. As I as I sit in Birmingham, Alabama, that's that was unnecessary. I wasn't even born here, but that's just unnecessary. Come on. Well, it's officially basketball season. I mean, Mississippi's well, Mississippi's right there, Sam. Come on. So they have a lot of sco- a lot of colleges too. Uh, they're like the JUCO yeah. capital of the world. Them in Texas. So, Mike, you uh, you you had a you had a pretty good weekend. Uh, what, what were you up to uh, watching as far as Sanford sports went? Oh, in terms of Sanford sports, it was weird because I was a uh, Tennessee fan on Saturday watching football and then uh, <laughs> showed up to the Tennessee Sanford baseball game yesterday in Nashville at the uh, Nashville Sound Stadium with a Tennessee jersey and a Sanford hat. So nice, a little, nice. Uh, little mix in my fandom, but. My parents are friends with uh, one of the Tennessee pitchers' parents, AJ Russell, who actually pitched the first inning. So he's uh, was a freshman All American last year. Pretty pretty solid guy. That's cool. In high school with me. So that's cool. Uh, so I went with my family to watch watch that game, and Sanford ended up pulling away ten six against a College World Series team from last year. 
We did. It's pretty cool. How incredible is that? Granted, you know, Tennessee threw in a different pitcher every inning. Sanford also went through kind of their full rotation. It's an exhibition game. It doesn't really 100%. matter, but it was still really yeah. fun to watch. Uh, we uh, had a three-run homer in the second inning against uh, Drew Beam, who was Tennessee's Saturday pitcher last year. So um, still, you know, got some big hits against – some of Tennessee's, you know, potential starters. So yeah, Hon, cool who match. hit that homer? I texted it to you, Grant, but it was a name. You had said that, that he had played uh, in several games. I just don't remember. Uh, what was his name? Yeah, Aaron Walton. He's an outfielder from uh, – he's a he's a sophomore from Brentwood, Brentwood, Tennessee. So That's awesome. It's good yeah. to see young guys. And he's huge, right? Yeah. Like he's 6'5"? Yeah, 6'3", 216 out, corner outfielder, so – yeah. Do we did we lose? Started um, twenty three games last year. Yeah. Rodriguez also had a home run, which was cool. He was. I was about to ask if we he still have our, Rodriguez. Yeah. He was our leadoff. Yeah, he was our he was our leadoff, and then so um, Lucas Steele was I think batted third in the order. Yeah, he's going to um, be awesome. Stud continued to be awesome. Will Lynch pitched first. I don't know if that means he'll be our Friday starter this year, but he did Maybe. pitch first yeah. in the first game. Grant, Grant, do you know what happened in the second game? I couldn't figure out what the score was. No, I don't think it matters, but no, I'm pretty sure it's it was a double header. Yeah. They played Yeah, They played nine innings, took like a break, like a 20 minute break and played nine more. Um, I think Tennessee pulled away and won by like three or four, but yeah. Again, that's probably against Sanford's younger guys to want to get those guys some experience. Yeah. And so for Sanford, that but that lineup's going to be awesome. It's just again, it's just going to be a matter of who fills the role of Jacob Cravey, that Friday night starter. Mm, ben yeah, Hensky, like, the closer had a lot of innings, so it's just a matter Jacob. of you know, what the it's just a matter of what the pitching staff looks like because the offense will rake. As Sanford's always had a great always had a yeah. great lineup. It's just a matter of what kind of pitchers they have. So I said, anyway, it seems like we've got bats to. You know, we've got the bats needed because it was. I'll be honest, I had to leave in this at the uh, seventh inning stretch, and we were down, yeah, f- uh, five to six, and then ended up winning ten six. So we put up five yeah. runs in the last three innings. Uh, but yeah, I agree. It'll yeah, come down even, to pitching. Yeah, that's even with Jaden Davis transferring to Vandy, so that lineup's still going to be yeah. awesome. And then Stephen Klein, well, transferred to Kentucky, and then I think lost his eligibility. Yeah, uh, he's. Is that another school? I want to say it's a D two school, but no, it's not even an it's not an NCAA school. He doesn't have NCAA eligibility or NAIA, maybe. Yeah, if he had stayed at Sanford, it'd be the same case though. It wasn't like yeah, a transfer. He got thing. totally screwed. Um, yeah, I mean, you have yeah, guys playing for high profile college football teams playing for their eighth season. Yeah, and Shout guys like yeah, uh, who's our corner? I'm already forgetting his name. Fred Flavors. You got guys like Fred Flavor. Yeah, Fred, yeah. Who yeah, plays yeah. three, four years. Like, he literally plays the, the minimum, um, maybe five. But certainly didn't get the COVID year. Certainly didn't get any of the injury crap that these other guys are getting. I mean, yeah. NCAA is Bush League. Yeah, we see the waiver process with Chattanooga. They're still waiting. <laughs> Chattanooga basketball waiting on Trey Bonham to get that waiver after transferring from Florida. Yeah. So. Mm. I'm pumped though for Sanford baseball. So. Beating beating the SEC team adds a little juice to the locker room, even if it is just fall ball exhibition. Um, yeah. And just as you said, Mike, like it's just awesome that they got to play at a cool environment in front of a pretty decent crowd. For it was a sold out crowd. November yeah. baseball sold, sold out. out. Dang. Sold out. Tried ball to buy an Nation, extra ticket baby. for someone last week. Oh, That's balls. awesome! I saw I saw several Sanford Sanford. Individuals. That's good. Uh, actually saw parked next to Lucas Steele's girlfriend and her family. Uh, had a nice conversation. Told her to tell him thank you for not transferring. <laughs> I thought that was awesome when I texted you to tell her that, and you're like, "That's exactly what I did." I already did. <laughs> yeah. I love that. I love that. Um, but and yeah, loved so every minute. Sanford baseball. Lot, lot to be excited <laughs> for. Football season, obviously disappointing. Uh, if we can win these last two games, it'll end on a high note. Send Michael Hires off. Uh, like the champ that he is. And 
then we'll be in the heart of basketball season, the, the non-conference slate. Um, and then the conference should be great. Baseball should be awesome. It's going to be a fun year. It's going to be a fun year. It's been one year, guys. Now, granted, it's been two months. But for Mike and I and Jeb, uh, it's been one year. You better watch your mouth, Grant. Well, you might need to knock your ego down a little bit. Put put like the author of some of these articles as someone else. Those were not good times. Not good times. But yeah, we got Mercer on Saturday, uh, VCU on Friday. Lots to watch this weekend, and we will catch you all uh, next week. State of the Dogs is out. Hey, you already know. You know, Sanford, about to get that ring, man. Hey, love y'all. We love y'all.